Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Following a Flames 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Calgary's won back-to-back games for the first time this season. They'll try to make it three straight Friday on the road in Toronto, but another solid effort for the Flames here, and uh, this time at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Stick with it, score four unanswered, and come away with a 4-2 win inside the Western Conference. Tonight, four straight goals for the Flames, and a couple of points for this man who joins us to get some immediate post-game reaction. Let's head to the Flames locker room and check in with Flames defenseman Nick Simone right now coming off his first ever multi-point night in the NHL with a couple of assists. Nick, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, first of all, take us through the game. What would you, uh, you see out there as the, your group was able to stick with it, battle back, and come away with a win? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they got a little opportunistic to start and uh, with those two goals, um, but we didn't really waver in uh, the way that we played. Uh, we stuck to our system and, and stayed positive and, and kind of started to get some bounces and then slowly took over the game. How important was it? You, know, you did it on, on Saturday, it felt like, in Seattle as well. But last two wins, how important has that theme of sticking with it been for the group? Yeah, I mean, you have to. There's uh, belief in the room, and, and you know we know how good we are. So we just stay with it and, and play to our game. Good things are going to happen. What was the feel going into the, uh, into the second intermission and starting the third period? You're down by one, but Dylan had that big goal to get you on the board. What was the confidence level like in the room after 40 minutes? Yeah, I mean, that gave us a lot of momentum, and I think we, it was just, uh, you know, we just need, you know, the next shot. The next shot's going to go in, and, and, you know, luckily we, we got one there and then got another one, and, and things were, were working for us. Nick, how are you feeling now you've got a couple games at this level under your belt this season? Good. I mean, I think every day is, is a test, and I'm just trying to get better every, every day and um, see how it goes from there. couple of points for you tonight. How did it feel tonight? I, I guess more importantly, three points in your last two games. It's got to be kind of cool to start to see your, your name show up on some score sheets here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it just works like that. But, um, you know, the, the team was on a little bit of a skid, and, and you know, we just want to string together some wins here. And so... You know, we got two, and now uh, the next one's the most important. And and final thought: that is your first ever multi-point game in the NHL. That has to be uh, that has to feel pretty good, and even better to come in a win. Hey. Yeah, I mean, w- with a win, it, it makes it all that much better. Nick, appreciate the time, and uh, good luck Friday on the road in Toronto. Thanks for doing this, hey? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That is Nick DeSimone postgame following a Flames 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators. Okay, we are underway on your Flames Talk postgame show. My name is Pat Steinberg with Derek Wills. Megan Mickelson will join us very shortly as well. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line open, 960-960. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, following a 4-2 win over the Predators, a uh, lot to like about this one tonight. We're going to hear from Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, very shortly here in the hot stove lounge. But uh, let's let's dive right in because a night where the Flames fell down 2-0 on a very opportunistic Predators team. But, Mick, they, uh, they stuck with it. And for a second consecutive game, sticking with it ends up being kind of the biggest theme for the Flames because they didn't really get away from their game and they got a big goal late in the second and then really pushed it there in the third. Another another pretty resilient effort from a, a Flames team that needs some resiliency right now. Yeah, and I said to Wilsey upstairs, I thought it was interesting that the last two games, their third periods have been arguably their best but earlier on in the season it was they were getting off to really good starts and then they just couldn't hang on throughout the rest of the game so it's almost 
better to go the other way, it seems, to have a, a strong third period. But I really liked the way that they have, you know, I think matured in in terms of handling adversity and momentum swings in games. And that's definitely something that we saw tonight and a sign of a team that's, you know, maybe starting to figure things out. They started to turn it around against the Stars last week. You know, really good first period. Bad second period. Three straight efforts that that resemble one another. But a really, really good third period. I thought they were unlucky to lose that hockey game 4-3. And then on Saturday against the Kraken, they fall behind one nothing and tie it, and then 2-1 and then tie it, and really never got away from their game. It was their most complete effort of the season. I would put that game actually ahead of this game because I like the first period of that game better than I like the first period of this game. But even in the first period tonight, you know, the shots were there, the attempts were there, but they didn't do enough in the offensive zone, and they gave up too much in the defensive zone despite... They were still uh, 7-2 high dangers at 5-on-5 in the first period. Well, there you go. They gave up too much in the way of goals, at least. And I felt bad for Jacob Markstrom. The two, the two, especially the second one was no just chance. egregious. No chance. 2-on-0. Yeah. Um, but then I, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, their stick to Yeah. In the, the second and third periods, they got a big goal from Dylan Dubé with less than five minutes to go in the second period, and that really seemed to get them going. And then I thought they pretty much dominated the third period. And again, there were a lot of games, even during that six-game losing streak, where I thought the Flames were the better of the two teams for more than half the game, whether it be two of the three periods or 35 of the 60 minutes, whatever, where they didn't find a way. And tonight they were the better of the two teams for two of the three periods, I would say, and that was good enough to get a win. It's kind of swung now, right? When you're in the middle of a losing streak, sometimes you find ways to lose. But when you turn the corner and you start winning, good teams find ways to win. And I think we're starting to see that uh, the Flames are, are feeling better about themselves, a bit more confidence, a bit more swagger. Still some things to figure out, including uh, some of the guys who didn't see the ice for even one second in the third period. But that's a big win as they had on the road for three. Yep. Uh, our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota tonight. Uh, we focused in on, okay, well, now the Flames have got to build on it. Rasmus Anderson said this morning, can't be a one-and-done league, and, and Flames did a nice job of making sure they were not one-and-done. So they pick up their uh, second consecutive win, and that's uh, consecutive wins for the first time this season. They'll try to make it three straight Friday in Toronto. So that's important. Um and uh, a lot to like from a number of different individuals. And that's where I'm really curious where uh, Mick's going to go on the hardest working flame tonight. Let's uh, jump right there. Hardest working flame Ooh. brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Um, curious as to which way you're going on this one because there's a lot to like on the individual side of things in this game tonight. We're getting after this one early, hey? We are. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes. Okay, I'm going to go with Nazem Kadri. I have, I mean, I've been quite vocal about the fact that I've liked his game all season <laughs> long, uh, but especially as of late. And the main reason that I'm going to pick him as the hardest working flame is not just the intensity and the pace that he played with and what he generated. It's the way that he's also elevating the play of guys around him. And that's the sign of a really elite player when you can not just go out there and play well, but when you make other players around you better, I think that's what is now it's 
been really impressive about Nazem Kadri and hearing him talk this morning in the media availability yeah. about how, you know, he's encouraging younger guys and the guys on his line to go out there and, and to make plays and not to be afraid to make plays, to be responsible defensively, but to go out there and just play. So just the way that he's playing his game, obviously he had two points tonight, played almost 19 minutes, had eight shots on net, 10 attempted. Uh, so the stats speak for themselves but also just how he is elevating the play yeah. of those around him and Yegor Sharangovich in particular I think recently has really turned a corner yeah, so Kadri gets my vote. Nazem Kadri, hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com so as, as Mick mentioned, 10 shot attempts 8 shots. Natural Statric had him with 4 individual scoring chances. He led the team with three more high danger scoring chances and uh, you don't usually see an individual expected goals uh, over one. Uh, he was 1.06 on his individual wow. expected goals uh, in uh, this one tonight at all strengths. Uh, another really solid game for number 91. And he was 81% in the face. And, uh, and, and 81 in the another. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. <laughs> uh, Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills around the table. Now Flames assistant coach Kale McLean joins us on our Flames Talk postgame show as well. Kale, just uh, your, your thought on, on the way the group stuck with it tonight and came away with uh, another big two points here. Yeah, pretty happy with that. You know, I think that uh, our first period wasn't a bad period per se, but at the same time, a big breakdown, couple, you know, some coverage that was a bit loose on the first goal, breakdown on the second. And sometimes I can take the window to your sales, you know, and uh, give our guys credit, uh, a lot of credit to uh, Marky for, you know, especially in that position. When you're down to, you got to shut the door. That's a long period of time when you think about it from from this vantage point. But uh, I think the guys really dug in in the third, and, and we did a good job. So that's a, nice to see as a coach. Um, my first question for you, I guess, would just be around, um, like, decision-making in terms of who's who's playing, who's not playing. So in the third period, we saw you guys went down to three lines. So I guess just maybe a little bit of insight into the reasoning behind that. I don't think we've seen you guys go down to three lines for an entire period. Um, and just the personnel that I guess you guys decided to go with. Just I, I think that <clears throat> when you look at it through 40, we we had a little bit going, but not a great deal, and felt like we needed the energy to continue. And we did, you know, we've had a few periods where we played more three lines, but I shouldn't say periods, um, periods of time, but not a, not really the entire time. So we felt like the uh, the cadre line was going, the back of the line was going. We found a combination, you know, in terms of Dubay and Ruzichka that we thought had some moxie in the game. Like Dubay had a goal, Ruzichka had made a really nice play um, in the second period and when he was with Lindy at one point. Uh, so as a result, we thought those combinations of three lines were were the guys that were had the most juice and energy. And as a result, you know, the other guys didn't get the time, but at the same time, I think our team did a good job of digging in and responded in those lines, brought some, some pretty quality play to the table and, you know, give them credit. They're all, you know, the guys, the whole bench is part of it. Whole bench was into it. The whole bench was supportive and uh, it turned out well for us. It's funny what plays can sometimes turn a game for a team. And Megan likes to talk about the play before the play. 
So we can look at Dylan Dubé's goal that made it 2-1 with just mm-hmm. under five minutes to play in the second. But for me, it's the play before the play. If you could talk about that sequence for Nikita Zadorov, because the yeah. Flames don't score without him at both ends of the ice there, right? Yeah, he was playing a literal 200-foot game <laughs> in that one. Uh, yeah, he was, you know, and, and we've seen it from Nikita before. Like, when he winds it up and he uses the net and he gets even a, a millimeter on um, an angle, you know, pressure from an angle, he can just skate right through it. It's amazing how strong he is. It's amazing how fast he can glide in a sort of standstill. He, he has a lot of speed. I do think that Nikita is like up there when you look at um, now with the puck tracking and everything for like speed. He is. In the Some of the fastest first in the NHL this yeah. season by a defenseman. And when guys are that big, you don't realize they're moving that fast. But when he does that, you see it. He wheels the net. He's got four check pressure all over him and he just glides right by. And, um, you know, made a, made a good play to attack middle ice and sort of create some more room on the rush. Dubé was wise in getting behind him a little bit and not crowding him on the entry. But, uh, yeah, credit to Nikita. I think he, he was physical. He turned a puck over. He tracked back. And, you know, he made a lot of different plays in addition to the offensive ones there. Um, we're talking to Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, following a 4-2 win over Nashville. Uh, just as you were walking in, we were talking about Nazem Kadri's game and, and another really solid game for number 91. So I, I guess I'd ask you about Kadri and what you've seen from him over the last three or four games and also what has worked so well with Connor Zary and, and Yegor Sharangovich. Like why, why has that line really clicked since they've been put together? Well, I think that um, Nazem... Is a he's a very competitive guy, and he's been competitive all along. He's he hasn't had the luck, and sometimes that can wear on on any player. And um, I think that Naz overall though has had you know a, a fair amount of real solid games. It just hasn't had a lot of puck luck, but especially recently he's been working really hard. There have been a lot of pucks directed toward the net, and I think the, his recent success, uh, you know, it can't be um, ignored that. Connor Zari has been with them, and now Sharon Govich is alongside as well. But I think what makes them work well is um, Cads is an attacking kind of player, and Connor Zari especially is a guy that can, you know, can sort of attack the offense with the puck while still having the poise to make that next play. So I think that those guys are learning to use each other a bit more often, and uh, Sharon Govich is getting involved in that equation as well. But you're seeing, I think, also a, a bit of um, understanding between Kadri and Zari uh, and that mutual respect. Here's a young guy coming in, and, I, you know, Kads is, I think he realizes, like, I got I to gotta get close to this guy. I got to use him, and we, we're going to play off each other well. We're going to create two-on-ones, and we're going to create offense. So there's different entry things that they've done. There's um, some ozone plays. But overall, I think there's good poise with the puck, and there's less um, pucks getting turned over, bottom line, for our whole team, and that's creating longer sustained offense, I think. Well, that was going to be a question for me is just in terms of the puck management. Uh, this Obviously, it's been a, a big talking point throughout the season for you guys. Over the last couple of games, I guess, how do you see that having been executed by the players in terms of managing the puck better? 
Um, I, I think one equation, Megan, is that there is a more predictable recipe there for everyone in terms of the the players are doing a good job of, you know, we talk about, you know, an area that we might want to exploit on a breakout. And the players are doing a good job of just, you know, attacking that open area and recognizing where it is and being more predictable to each other. And I think as a result, we're getting more pucks with speed. Sort of, sort of more, the more pucks you attain while you're moving your feet or in motion, the less times you're going to turn pucks over. The more pucks you attain while you're standing still and your back's against the wall, the more times you're going to look slow as a team and you're going to look, you know, you're going to be looking back at your net because you're chasing from behind. And I think that's one of the keys is that we're getting, uh, we're, we're predictable and we're getting more pucks in positions where we're skating as we acquire them. And it makes it much easier to make that next play, whether it's a chip or whether it's a, a sort of two-on-one situation on an entry that turns into a nice possession entry. But the bottom line is it's getting where we want it to get to, right? One way or another, which is down at their net or under their goal line. The pipeline from the AHL to the NHL, from the Wranglers to the Flames flowing this season. We just talked about Connor Zeri and him playing in a line with Nazem Kadri and how effective those guys have been together with Yegor Sharangovich. And then there's the other guy, Martin Pospisil. In the last yeah. two games, there have been two lines that have stayed together from start to finish, and he's been on a line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. And I look at the stat sheet, and yeah, sure, he didn't have any goals, assists, or points, but nothing bad. Four shots, seven attempts, two hits, one takeaway, one block shot. That's a pretty good stat line for a young player trying to establish himself, don't you think? 100%. I think it's a really good stat line, and I think that he's done an admirable job of coming in and you know, bringing some energy. You saw middle speed from him a couple times. He drove wide. He sort of lost the puck, I think, or else he probably would have drove that far post on Saros, which is, uh, which is, you know, a great burst of speed. He built, he beat Del Gaizo on the, on the uh, entry. He had another middle speed uh, opportunity where I think he drew a penalty. Um, as you said, you know, seven shot attempts, reliable in terms of, you know, what he's doing away from the puck. And a lot of credit to him, you know, a lot of credit to our AHL coaching staff, mm -hmm. you know, Trent Cole, uh, Snacks, and uh, Joe Sorella for doing a great job, not just with these young forwards, but also uh, De Simone's contributed well for us. Solovyov's contributed well for us. So I think that um, getting back to Martin and what he's done, like, I think he's he's taking advantage of his opportunity and he's bringing something to the table and he's doing it in a smart way, which is that that's one of the keys to playing in the NHL. You, sure, you can make something cool happen, but if you if four bad things happen in between every time, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Right? yeah. Appreciate the time, Kale. Really do. Congratulations on the win. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Kale McLean, yeah. Flames assistant coach, following a 4-2 win for Calgary over the Nashville Predators. We're underway on our Flames Talk postgame show. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Um, let's and, and, and Mick asked uh, about the um, reduction of players in the third period. Elimination? The, 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 the story, look, it's a 4-2 win. But I think that the big story once the phone line's open and, and on the text line is going to be the, the negative side of this, and that is the fact that 
Jonathan Huberdeau didn't see the ice in the final three minutes and 37 seconds of the second period and did not see it at all in the third period. Straight up benching for Jonathan Huberdeau, which we all saw with our own eyes, was fighting it maybe more than he has at any point this season, and it's been a difficult last mm, eight or nine games for Jonathan as well. That's, that's a significant move by the head coach in Ryan Huska in sitting down Jonathan Huberdeau for more than an entire period. And I got to tell you, I give Ryan Huska all the credit in the world because he said it. But it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it, especially with a guy who two summers ago was given the biggest contract in the history of this franchise. And he said early in the season, or maybe even before the season started, that if guys weren't playing the right way, he was going to take away ice time. And if that didn't work, he was going to sit them down. And if that didn't work, some guys were going to get sent down. Now, we're not going to see that happen with Jonathan Huberdeau, but he's been fighting it big time. And we just talked about Martin Pospisil's stat line and how there was nothing negative on it. Jonathan Huberdeau, no points, no shots, one missed shot, and the big one for me, and I'm not even sure this is a high enough number, two giveaways. When he's right, he is one of the best passers in the game. We saw it two seasons ago when he put up more assists in a single season than any left winger in NHL history, 85 of them. And he's having a tough time making a pass these days. And I really like Jonathan Huberto, the person, which made it painful. And we talked about it on the air and off the air, Megan. Looking at him sitting at the end of the bench, trying his darndest to, to put on a, a strong face for his teammates. It was hard to watch. I felt in the pit of my stomach for him because I know how painful that must have been for him and how badly he wants to to help this team win hockey games. And it's just not working right now. And I I think it was a bold move by Ryan Huska and, and hopefully one that pays off for Jonathan Huberto and for this team because they need him. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, I thought it was really interesting too what, Kale's answer was uh, to my question and it was the whole fourth line that didn't play right and so that part of that decision I think was and he said it was in terms of energy and keeping the energy of the players that were going keeping that up and I know that sometimes when you have you're playing four lines I know I've you know talked to a lot of forwards over the course of my career that they would rather play with three lines. So in it, that's in terms of keeping your energy up, in terms of gaining momentum and just feeling good. You want to kind of keep rolling and keep going. So it sounds like that was part of the decision in terms of, you know, they just felt like they could have more energy with the personnel that they had with those nine players and keeping them rolling. But like you said, you have to have a lot of respect for Ryan Huska and the entire coaching staff for playing the guys that are rolling, playing the ones that are playing well in that game. And I've been in situations where coaches just play players because of their names. And there's nothing more frustrating than that. And as a player, you lose respect for a coach who just plays guys because of their names. You have a lot of respect for a Mm -hmm. coach as a player 
for a coach who plays the players who are playing well that game. So you think of those decisions that the coaches make and that they made tonight in terms of who they were playing, that just that doesn't just impact the outcome of the game, which it impacted the outcome of the game tonight. It impacts how you're how the players respond to a coach and how they think of a coach and how how they respect their coach. So, you know, I think that that there's a lot that you can take away from that decision that was made. But like you said, Wilsey, it's I mean, it was it was really hard to watch. I, I, I really, think, really hard to watch. I think it's one of those moves that you come away and it would have been really easy not to do it and just to keep rolling him out there. He was obviously fighting it. Um, but it's been it's been a long stretch now where Huberto again has not been what they need him to be. He is I, I know that we don't always tie things to contracts and sometimes that can get in the way of a real evaluation, but he is still the highest paid player on the team and we're talking about a guy for four straight years that was a point-per-game player in every season he was in. 115 points or not, he was still over a point-per-game four straight seasons before he got here. Last year, he had the huge dip. This year, I thought he got off to a good three, four-game yep. uh, start, and it's completely fallen off. And and of late, he's been hurting them at times more than helping them. And so for Ryan Huska to make that move even in one game, I think is really significant. I, I agree with it, and the most fascinating part now for me is how Jonathan responds to it yep. because that is a proud guy who knows what he's capable of and believes that he's still capable of it but also knows that it has not been working well here and, and it has been an absolute grind. So does he take it the right way? Does he take it the wrong way? I, and I honestly have no idea. I've got to think that that belief is starting to slip. I'm sorry. I see a player who is lacking confidence and lacking swagger. And remember, during the offseason, he yeah, talked about swagger. Yeah, needing to get his confidence and swagger back. And in the preseason, he made some Jonathan Huberto-type plays that kind of made you raise an eyebrow and say, wow, look at that pass. And... Even early in the season, Pat, and, and you had his back in the first three or four games, and I think we did as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to have his back more than we did because you host the Flamestock uh, <laughs> post-game show and had to take calls uh, from fans that were complaining about Jonathan Huberto. But I thought he started to look like his old self again early in the season, and I don't know what has kind of gone south for him, but he's trying to force plays that aren't there. Uh, low percentage passes that are leading to turnovers and, to your point, hurting the team. Um, when this guy's right, he can still be an elite playmaker in this league. I believe it. I've got to th- think that deep down he believes it. And I know that they're trying to do what they can to get him going. They've played him with a, a bunch of different players, moved him up and down the lineup, tried him with different people on the power play. I, I don't know what has to happen for him to, to find it but they need him to find it because this is a Flames team that doesn't have generational players. And he's one of the players that they have to lean on offensively if they're going to have success. And, yeah, they've won the last two games without him helping out all that much. But long term, I, I just yeah. I don't think this is a team that can push for a playoff spot and, until Jonathan Huberto starts to play, not necessarily like he did two seasons ago when he had 115 points, but how he played – 
in the three or four seasons prior to that, a point-of-game type of player. Mm-hmm. I still think it's in there somewhere. I just don't know what it's going to take to get it out of him again. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the same page with you in that it's not um, it's not a skill thing. It's not an ability thing. It's It's not a physical thing that he can't play well. It is all mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so whatever and, – and, you know, none of us really know, like, what is going on in his head because that – that is clearly the issue is that there's something, you know, that he needs to figure out in terms of being mentally prepared to play and, and whatever that looks like in game. But he's the only one that can figure that out. The coaches can't figure it out. Nobody else can figure mm-hmm. it out. None of us can figure it out. Um, he's going to have to do that. And whatever he needs to do, if that's, if you have to step away for a game, whatever it is, like just do whatever you have to do. And he talked about the fact that he worked with a sports psychologist in the off season. So maybe it's just really prioritizing that and making sure that he gets himself back into a headspace where he can perform because that's what he needs. That's what the team needs. And you could tell coming into the season and in the preseason, you know, he was lighter, he was having more fun and, you know, just lately, it's it's just been a little bit more heavy in terms yeah. of the way that he has carried himself. So I think that, you know, anybody who saw him on the bench tonight and saw the way that he was fighting it and, and the way that, you know, that it obviously weighed on him really heavily. And this has to. This is obviously something that, like... He probably goes home every single day, and this weighs on him. He cares. He wants to be better. And so whatever he needs to do to mentally get himself into a good space, that's what he needs to do. And you know what's interesting is that at practice yesterday, Flames at the end of practice had a shootout competition. Do you know who won it? Jonathan Huberto. And I'm telling you, he looked confident. He was shooting the puck with a purpose. And in preparing for this game, I saw that he had 14 goals and 29 points in 26 career games against the Predators. So I pieced what I saw yesterday together with that and thought, maybe tonight's the night. Jonathan Huberto finds his game and scores a goal or two and gets back to being the player that he's been and that I believe he can still be. And instead, it went the other way. And... We're wondering why. How is he feeling? Because, again, watching him at the end of the bench, opening and closing that door for the entire third period, you and I had a really good chat with him this morning. And he's such a likable guy. Like, we all want him to succeed. I I just, I really feel for him. Because it's not like he's not trying. It's just, he he can't get anything to work right now. And it's got to be so hard on him. Well, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do is before a game, like he could sit down and, and I'm not trying to like solve his problems for him here. That's not what I'm trying to do, but uh, you know, think about coming into the game. It's like, okay, I won the shootout yesterday and it's almost like, and look at the stats and how well he's played against the Nashville Predators. So it's almost like you're pumping your own tires Mm -hmm. coming into the game. And I've worked with a sports psychologist for years and years and years. And at one point in my career, and it was at a world championships and I got benched in the third period of a gold medal game at the world championships. And 
the, that summer when I worked with my sports psychologist, uh, one of the things that we developed was, um, it was kind of a, like a why I rock list. So basically it was a list of why you should be confident as a player. And that was something that, you know, in, in, times in my career where if my performance wasn't good or things weren't going well, that's something that you lean on in terms of your preparation to make sure that going into a game, you're in a really good headspace. Like you almost have to pump your own tires Mm -hmm. going into a hockey game to just try to elevate yourself and get yourself into a a really good mental space. And, you know, maybe it's as simple as, as that is just going into a game and, you know, having a list of like, he has a lot of reasons to believe why he is a really good hockey player. And he, but he needs to know that he needs to believe that he needs to be in that mind space going into games. And uh, last thing that I'll say, cause uh, we'll, we'll get to the, I'm sure this will be discussed lots. I, Lots on the text line uh, and will be on the phone lines. Text lines 960-960. Phone lines 403-240-4444. But when you use the term long-term, Derek, it, it just clicked. Still almost seven full years of $10.5 million on the cap. I'm sorry. They have got to do everything. Eight. Well, yeah. eight. Sorry. Eight full years. Almost eight full years of him being on the cap at $10.5 million. They have got to do everything to make sure that they can get more out of them. And if this is part of it, then this is part of it. They, they really can't uh, – they, they need to pull out every stop. It's that important with what he is on the cap. we got to move on. Okay. Um, but that's just how I'd wrap the conversation. Just quick. Yeah, just quickly. Um, you both said it, and I agree 100%. Let's see how he responds to this. I assume he'll play on Friday in Toronto. If he doesn't respond the right way, the next step might be to – a healthy scratch him for a game. Going to hear from Ryan Huska right away, too, uh, on this one and, and tonight's win. But, yeah, see how he does respond absolutely quickly. Uh, some final thoughts. 4-2 Flames beat the Preds here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Phone lines right away. Uh, text line right away. Ryan Huska right away. But first, from our broadcast duo, Mick and Derek, some final thoughts after a 4-2 win. Yeah, I think a lot of things to like. Um not the greatest start, but just really liked the resiliency and the resolve from the group in terms of sticking with it, staying with it. I thought that Nikita Zadorov was a real catalyst in terms of changing the way the team was playing. And it, it started with that back check that he had mm-hmm. in the second period. And things just kind of slowly started going uphill from there. So I would say, you know, I think him being a catalyst for the team is a really – um, interesting way to view it. And then after that, with Dylan Dubé scoring and Zadorov getting that assist, I think that they really took the momentum of the game from there and carried that into the third period and got shots. They were on their toes. They were dictating the play and the pace. Um, I align with the coach's decisions in terms of shortening the bench and trying to keep the energy up and, um, you know, get the guys rolling and and just sticking with the players that were playing. I think that that was really crucial and, and really, really important. But uh, liked the play of a lot of players, so I won't go through the list. But there's, you know, a lot of promise in terms of some of the chemistry that the Lions are starting to find. We, we just talked about how hard it can be for a player who lacks the intangibles of confidence and swagger. For a team... I think they're so important. 
So I think back to my first season calling Flames games, 2014-2015, the find-away Flames. That team had no business making the Stanley Cup playoffs. But remember all of those improbable come-from-behind wins? Those built confidence and swagger and belief. The Flames needed to find a way to win Saturday in Seattle, and they did. But what I think made it even better for them was that they fell behind one nothing and tied it, fell behind 2-1 and tied it, and then kind of took the game over after that. Built a little bit of those intangibles with that 6-3 win over the Kraken. Tonight, didn't play a terrible first period. Gave up a couple of bad grade-A chances. Can't fault Jacob Markstrom, I don't think, for either goal he gives up. They're down 2 nothing after one, despite being way up on the shot clock. Well, they just... They found a way to get to their game in the second and third periods. They got better as this game went on. They were able to climb out of a two-goal hole, make it 2-1 before the end of two, and take over again in the third period. And again, I think you build belief and confidence and swagger with a couple of come-from-behind wins in a row. So I think two really good steps in the right direction. And now you go on the road for three. And it's not going to be an easy trip. You're playing against a Maple Leafs team that is as dangerous as any team in the league. And then a back-to-back against the Senators. Then you get a couple of days before you play the Canadians. I'm not saying they have to sweep the road trip. But I kind of feel like if they can win two out of three, they're going to come home and they're going to be feeling pretty darn good about themselves. And they'll be in the thick of it in the Western Conference. So two steps in the right direction. And after their... Their tough start to the season and strict six straight losses. They're going to need a bunch more, but uh, you can't win three without winning two first. So we'll see what they can do on Friday to start the road trip. Have a uh, wonderful rest of your Tuesday, friends. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Pat. Okay, good night, Pat. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson signing off on a Tuesday night. Flames beat the Predators 4-2 to uh, make it back-to-back wins. First time they've won consecutive games this season. Uh, The big story, Jonathan Huberdeau, but a big win as well for the Flames. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now post-game following a win over the Predators. Ryan, to start, we, we didn't see Jonathan Hubert on the ice in the third period. I'm curious as what went into that decision. Um, I, I, I thought Hubie had an off night, and when we went into the third period, we wanted to try to get a little bit more flow, and we went with the guys we felt were going, uh, and that's pretty much all it came down to. How did he take that? He's, he's fine. Like I'm, he, It's not anything anybody wants to go through ever, but, hey, at times it's going to happen. You're, you're not going to have your A-plus game every night. And as I said, we are trying to find a little bit of a rhythm and um, flow to our, our game. And when at that point, we went with the guys we thought were, were going the best. Was it, was it an effort thing at all, or was it just no, not? It's just, oh, yes, off night. You know, it happens. What did you think of your team's overall uh, effort? Obviously, you're probably pretty happy with the result. Yeah, I, I thought uh, we gave them a couple goals in the first period. Um, but I thought we had a lot of zone time, and I thought we stuck with it, and I was happy with the way we uh, we did stay with it in the third period. So uh, it was important for our team. We had a lot of guys that dug in here tonight, and it was a good win for us. Is there value in the entire team knowing that anyone, you know, you have to bring your A game, you have to be playing well? That's how you run ice time? Sure. I mean, that's you want everybody to, to know that. Um, if, they, if they're doing things the right way and they're having their best game, they're going to play. I mean, ideally, when you get into situations when we're playing like we're, we're going to back-to-back coming up here, uh, I don't think you can go to the three lines like we did in the third period. It doesn't work. You're going you're gonna to 
um, spend too much energy on too few guys. So it's not something that you can do in situations when the schedule um, isn't like what we've had it over the last little while, where we've had some time and some days off. The plan is to have Hubert out in the lineup oh, for the yeah. next game? Oh, yeah, of course. Is that something that you, you sort of talked in between intermissions? Like, how does the coach no. communicate that to a no. player? No, no. You just make that decision at the point, at that time, yeah. What did you make of Nazem Kadri's play? Loved it. I thought his line was the best line on the ice tonight. And in terms of what goes between the second and third period, your team came out roaring to, for that third period. What was said or what was the message in that intermission? Just to stay with it. I mean, we did a lot of good things. There was a lot of zone time that we had. Um, we had some chances. We just had to be a little firmer in certain areas and get a, the speed of our game up a little bit. And the guys did that. Right, yeah. that's back-to-back games where a team that, that had been struggling could have rolled over at, at times when things weren't going well. What have you seen in terms of the response? Um, they're growing. I mean, it's we're still finding our way. I will stay, say that. But, um, you know, earlier in the year when things weren't going our way, it's almost like um, boo-hoo, whoa, it's me, and, and this is tougher where you started seeing the body language slip a little bit. But... Um, Michael and the leaders have done a real good job of making sure they're staying with things and I think that's why we've played better the last few games including the Dallas game and now it's just um, kind of holding each other to that certain standard. What's Connor Zary done well to get him such a good performance his first three games in? He's playing with composure. He's playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of composure with the puck. Uh, when there's a play there to be made, he's making the play. If there's no play to be made, he's putting it into an area where we can get it back. So he's, he's playing a mature game right now. You struggled to find forward lines and combinations that we're clicking. It seems like since Zary's gotten here in that line with Kadri, yeah. like what have you seen, what has he brought to that kind of group that's kind of made that such a good line these last three games? Uh, I think it's a lot what I just mentioned, but he's playing with confidence. Um, he's making plays, which I think Naz is um, excited about, and I think Naz feels like he can um, you know, take him under his wing a little bit, and um, he's kind of enjoying that role right now with him. And then I will say that um, having Sharon Govich there is this is the best we've seen him play since he's been with us as well. So there's something there with that line, and and hopefully we can keep them playing the right way. How did you see it for Adam tonight in his first game back? I, I actually there was a stretch where he made a couple plays with the puck that he'd probably like to have back, but I thought he was pretty good for his, for his first game back in a while. Is that common for a guy like Kadri to just so he really seems to be enjoying playing with these younger guys and having that little bit of a leadership role? With yeah, them. is it common? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's growing up. Like, and I know he's older now too, but I think he's he's maturing to the point where he realizes that he's not just a player that has to um, perform his role. He's got obligation now to help bring other people along. So I think that's part of him uh, growing as a player. How, yeah. How crucial do you think that or Rob Rushy sets up Dubé at the end, but? Uh, take, take it all the way up the ice there. How crucial was that in sort of turning things in this game? The one where he came back to yeah. and grabbed it? That's important. I mean, that's never quitting on a puck. So that's the one thing if you have your guys knowing that they can take some chances as long as they're the hardest working guy come back, then they're usually um, okay with it. So, no, it was it was important for sure. That is head coach Ryan Huska postgame following his team's 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators. Of course, you heard there right at the beginning on, on Jonathan Huberdeau. Didn't feel like he was going. 
sat him down and uh, as such did not play the entire third period, the final three minutes and 37 seconds of the second period as well. Uh, lots more on that. Text lines open at 960-960. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Flames win uh, 4-2 over the Nashville Predators. Your Flames Talk postgame show available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, your phone calls, your texts coming up next. It's Pat Steinberg along with you in this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Flames have won consecutive games for the first time, and they uh, have won them in pretty similar fashion. Both solid 4-2. Well, this one was 4-2. Other one was 6-3, but both comeback wins both stick with it wins but also both really solid overall efforts and flames full marks for a 4-2 win over nashville they were full marks for a 6-3 win in seattle on saturday so a little positive sprinkled in and what has been a uh, largely negative start to the season flames up to 4-7 and 1 on the season with this win tonight um Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. We will get there in just a second. The big story, aside from the win, is the story of Jonathan Huberdeau being benched in the third period. Can't get away from it. It is going to be one of these stories on our postgame show. I know that's addressed right here by Dylan Dubé. He started the comeback with a goal late in the second period to make it 2-1. Uh, Dylan Dubé on the win, on Huberdo and more postgame inside the Flames locker room. Dylan, uh, two in a row, we talked about that momentum. I think going into this, you wanted to kind of capture. What, what was the turning point? You guys are down 2-0. I don't know if it was just sticking with the systems or if it was something that changed or adjusted or was it? I don't think we got down on ourselves. I think that, uh, you know, even that first period, we had some good momentum. Um, you know, gave them a couple couple chances, but, um, you know, I think we stuck to it. I think we played hard in the second, created a lot. Uh, guys were on top of the puck playing hard. I thought there was a neat moment when you made a point to point at Nikita, who was kind of jumping in throughout the night, and you sort of said that one was all you. I mean, maybe take us through that, because it looked like he was pretty active tonight. Yeah, he made a good rush and a really good play. Um, you know, he looked good. He played hard, had some big hits. Uh, yeah, I thought he was awesome tonight. He was skating really well. Dylan, what was said in that intermission that, that maybe kickstarted this group in the third period? Um, you know what? I think uh, I think it was just keep keep building, keep grinding. I think that last uh, 10 minutes of the second was basically a turning point for us in the game. Um, we got one there uh, to get ourselves back into it, and I think we just kind of felt that momentum. When, when you guys have the kind of shot differential you had after 20 minutes, like obviously you guys generated a lot. When you have the score you did, how do you avoid getting demoralized? And how do you how do you motivate yourself to stick with the way you did the rest of the game? Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know when you get chances. I don't think it can you know affect your the way you play. I think you got to build off that. I think if you're getting chances, it means you're you're dominating the game. You're playing well. So um, Saros, top guy in the league, we knew that coming into the the game tonight, and um, you know we we kept on it and finally finally broke him down and, and got a couple big ones there. But I think after chances build confidence right now and that's what we needed how big can this type of win third period at home how big can this type of win sort of build your confidence and get momentum for you yeah we needed it you know what i think that uh played three good games in a row going back to that dallas game i think that was a momentum shift and um you know for us to come in positive play good and 
Seattle and, and build from there. It's good. We got a big road trip coming up. We got a couple of days in between, but um, we really, really needed this win at home to get uh, you know the kickstart for the road. What do you say to a team like, like Jonathan Hebert, who obviously is a big part of this team, but didn't play in the third period? Pardon? What do you say to a teammate? Yeah, you know what? Hubie's the man. He's good. He's the most positive guy I've been around. Um, he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a person. And it's fine. It's one period out of his life, out of his career. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's too worried about it. I don't think we should be. Um, you know, he's uh, works his ass off every day. So, you know, I'll give him credit. He'll be here tomorrow with a smile on his face. There you go. That is uh, Dylan Dubé postgame following a 4-2 win over Nashville. To the text line we get to for the first time tonight at 960-960. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame. This from Dan in Cochrane. Pat, good win tonight. Enjoying the Kadri-Zari line and good to see some run support for Markey. Quick note, read the roundtable discussion. Or, you know what? I, I'm not going to read the rest of that part just because it, it doesn't really uh, um, apply to the rest of the show. Uh, maybe we can read that tomorrow. Uh, Dan, but appreciate the uh, appreciate the text. Um, it was just about the conversation we had about rebuilding or what to do if you're the Flames, uh, which isn't super relevant right now after the 4-2 win. Uh, this says, Huberto was definitely looking at an iPad or other screen, and that made the body language look worse than what he was really feeling. Uh, that, of course, while he was uh, benched there in the third period. This from Leandro. Um... This says, as for the game tonight, slightly rough start from Markstrom, but he held his ground for the next two periods. Love to see it. Glad to see some run support for him as well. Kadri's really woken up the last three games, and just the effort from everyone's there too. To not be dejected after that early deficit and really dig their heels in showed the last couple of games. Uh, I'm feeling for Huberto, though. Unlike what feels like the majority of the fan base, I think his success is coming. Riding the pine for a guy who's absolutely not used to it, I really hope will light a fire. We're rooting for you, Huberto. At least I am. Uh, this from Brock. Pat, with Huberto riding Pine the whole third, what would you think if Huska made him eat popcorn in the press box in Toronto? I know it's not a popular opinion, but it didn't look like the team missed him out there in the third period. That's from Brock. Brock, what I would say is I, I would not do that because I think that benching your highest paid player, benching a guy like Jonathan Huberto who is clearly wearing it on the bench, I think that sends enough of a message. That's a shot right across. It's not a shot across the bow in in the traditional sense. It's just that's a straight-up message. Like, you're not good enough. We need you to be better. And so I think that's enough for now. I, I, I think it would be piling on, and I think it would definitely be counter, or I would worry about it being counterproductive if you then went the healthy scratch route. I'm not saying if he doesn't respond to it that you couldn't, revisit that at another time but right now i think that you sent a pretty clear message with the benching myself um this from cody and Drumheller, pat i know it's going to be a parade of negative nellies tonight about huberto and whilst i agree to a point that a ten and a half million dollar player has to be better i also think there's a human element here that can't be denied the guy looks absolutely defeated and taking the salary out of the equation i feel awful for him uh, this says from Jeff in Lethbridge, I honestly feel bad for Huberto. If McDavid and Drysaddle can struggle with confidence, anyone can. Great to see Kadri trending upwards and the chemistry forming with Sharon Govich and Zeri. Easily the most dangerous Sharon Govich has looked offensively tonight. Toronto will be a tough out on Friday as they should be a desperate team as well. Uh, and and as, as for the Kadri line, what, what they've found there with Kadri, Sharon Govich, and Zeri together, 
that that's you're not you're not breaking that apart anytime soon. And Kadri has been the driving force of that. Zary's added a really nice spark to that. And yeah, Sharon Govich has been really strong. Couple assists tonight. Scored the goal that put the Flames out in front in Seattle on Saturday. They've got something there. That that line. They've got something there. Um, this says. Um, Holy, what was that line of Kadri and Sharon Govich and Zeri? They were on fire. I haven't, I haven't seen this much playmaking confidence and excitement from a line in a long time. Please never break them up. I'm speechless. That's, it, it is. It's, it was really good. And I'll say this. I don't think they're breaking them up anytime soon. A couple more texts before we hit the phone lines. Pat said it weeks ago, par for the course. Here comes their winning streak to make it exciting. Still to come, not trading free agents and just missing the playoffs. Nothing will convince me they shouldn't trade their free agents, and until then, I'll be a grumpy Flames fan. This says Zadorov was the best player tonight, kept moving and going after it. This from Xavier in Calgary, a much better effort, even though they were down 2 nothing early. We got glimpses of the old school team, but they showed up. Great effort all round. Although I'm a little concerned about Huberdeau, who sat the third period. Is the coaching trying to make an example out of him? Well, I don't know if it's so much trying to make an example out of him as much as it is it's meritocracy-based stuff. Huberdeau has been really fighting it and struggling and at times being detrimental to the team for the last seven, eight games, and he was awful tonight. And so they were trying to win a hockey game. He was not helping them. And so the easy thing would have been, in in my opinion anyway, the easy thing would have been not to sit Huberdeau down. Instead, they did. And, and it wasn't just a reduction of ice time. They stapled him to the bench, and he was there for the rest of the game. Uh, and and that, that was not an easy thing to do. And I also think it was the right thing to do. I think it's an important message to send that, if you're not doing it, you're going to sit, and that applies to everybody regardless of the salary. Let's see how Huberto responds. And one more from Sebastian in McKenzie Town. Was at the game and the dome was popping. Flames came in waves with line after line building a ton of momentum, and in the end a successful night in two points. Particularly impressed with the flame shifts following a goal. They never never gave the Preds a chance to build momentum. Great stuff on the text line so far at 969-60. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444 following a Flames 4-2 win over Nashville. Parsons is kicking us off tonight on the phone lines. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you doing tonight? I'm okay, man. What's happening? Oh, that was um, – I like that win, Pat. Um, I thought that was definitely a good character win. Um, yeah, it was a good win. Yeah, I mean, even after the first, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really panicking because Saros was making a lot of good stops, but, you know, we kept coming in waves. So I thought, um, you know, once after Dubé got, uh, you know, that – that marker in the second there, I thought, okay, we got a game here. And honestly, that third period was insane. Like, I think that was one of my favorite third periods I've seen all year. I mean, the puck support, the lines working in packs, the the energy, the puck retrieval, like the compete was insane, Pat. Like, I, I, was, I was very impressed by that, uh, to be honest. Like, that, that looked like a team that's on a mission and uh you know i thought uh big z was impressive all game on both both sides of the park and man that cadre line eh? yep oh, 
you, you know what I think? Uh, and I'm happy for Sharon Govich because I, I remember thinking near the beginning of the year, where are we going to fit this guy? Where are we going to fit this guy? But he's just been he's just been fitting in wherever we seem to put him, and I, I think you know hopefully he's found a home there because I, I feel like those three feed off each other, and I think they're feeding Kadri too because you know both Zari and Sharon Govich have a very high hockey IQ and they're very talented, and I think Kadri needs to play with guys like that, and. Um, they're feeding off each other, and that is so impressive to see because, I mean, Zari looks poised out there. He looks mature. Like, it's insane. Like, even Pospisil, he looks noticeable out there. I, I mean, I, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I, and I don't want to take anything away from anybody else, but mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, uh, uh, look, Nazem Kadri's the second highest paid player on the team, so he should be uh, an impact maker. But mm-hmm. I give him a lot of credit. He was not making the type of impact that you'd want him to make through the first, you know, eight or nine games of the season. But over the last three or four, he's been without question their best player. Um, the last nine periods, it hasn't been close. If you were to aggregate it, hasn't been close. Kadri's Kadri's been the best player on this team for three straight games, and I know there's still a lot of haters out there, and that's fine. And and you can detract all you want, but in my eyes, it has hasn't been close. Kadri's been the best guy, and you can talk about, well, maybe it was Zeri who is the reason that sparked him, or maybe it's a fit with Sharon Govich, or I, whatever the case may be, I still give all the credit to, to Kadri because he woke up, and they needed desperately needed him to wake up, and they desperately needed him to be a tone setter, and they desperately needed him to be an offensive leader, and he has been all of those things the last three games, and now needs to continue no doubt needs to continue because if they're going to be a relevant team this year Kadri's got to be one of their two or three best players on a night in night out basis but what we've seen the last three games is super encouraging well yeah considering you know we've been questioning Kadri and Huberto for x amount of games to start the season it's nice to see one of them kind of snap out of it yeah and I think I, I think you know honestly playing with these young pups it kind of gives him a little bit of a purpose, and it's it's also young pups with talent. So, I mean, there was a nice energy in this win tonight, Pat. I really liked it. Um, I'm sad to see, you know, Huberto on the bench like that. He looked really dejected. And even me, like, even though I haven't been a fan lately, um, from the humanity standpoint of things, I hate people looking like that. But you know what, Huska... He had to do what he had to do. He's keeping to his word. This team is being a lot more transparent this year about playing young players. If if you're not doing good, you're going to sit or miss time. That's what I like about this team this year is they're being a lot more transparent about what they say and what they're doing is actually happening. So mm-hmm. um, overall, good win, and uh, I hope you have a great night, my man. Thanks, Pars. Good to hear from you on the phone. Good text, but better to hear from you on the phone. Good to hear from you, pal. Thanks, bro. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators. It's your Flames Talk post-game show. Pat Steinberg along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's say hello to Derek. What's going on, Derek? Hey, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. That's uh, good. That's good. Uh, Patty, I was wanting to take a little bit of a different angle on the whole Huberto thing. 
tonight. Uh, I know uh, there's a lot of people that have kind of uh, crucified Tree Living for, you know, signing the full 10-and-a-half-year deal for eight years and that type of thing. But I think the reality is when Kachuk got traded, uh, I think that the fan base would have been uh, pretty crazy if they didn't re-sign him to start off with. And I think that the amount of money that he got was, you know, I guess probably what was going to be offered to Gaudreau to keep him. So they kind of threw the same money at him. Can confirm that was what was offered to Gaudreau. Yeah. Now I I want to kind of take a little bit of a different tweak. If, you know, let's kind of play pretend like that, uh, you know, Pat Steinberg is, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames GM. If we were to take a look at where Huberto was prior to the trade and including last year, if you were to sign him now, like I think it's safe to say he's not playing up to his ten and a half million dollar contract. What do you think that he would be worth on the market if he was to sign a, a deal now? Assuming that you're signing him over eight years, based I on feel like what? Based on just the, uh, based on just his Flames time. I think no, just uh, like his entire pedigree as far as being an NHLer. I think he's still probably going to get signed for, you know, eight, eight and a half at least. Like probably a little bit more than what Kadri got. I, I don't know if you would agree with that I don't not. know, man. I mean, if we're taking into account this season and last season, uh, I think there'd be – there, there, there'd be some definite hesitation on giving out even that type of money. I, I, I would guess, I would think, based on the way that last season went and and the way this season has gone. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I kind of look at it as like when they were trying to sign Gaudreau the year before he left in that off season. I, I kind of figured that was probably the dollars he might have gotten, and he had a little bit of a down year the first year Sutter was around too, right? So. Um, I don't know. It just uh, it was just more food for thought. I'm kind of curious as to you know what uh, the other folks might think on that. Um, another question as far as contracts go, and I know this is not the time to be signing stuff on Conright uh, on his end, and I'm glad that he hasn't. Um, I know that uh, you know on the Flames talk, you guys have talked a lot about you know for Lindholm, if you were to do a uh, to sign him, if we were actually to do it, it would likely be for an eight year term. You think there would be any like appetite for him to do like a one or two year deal? Um, you know, no, maybe at like nine. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think that he's he's in a spot right now where he's got the opportunity to hit. Like this is his this is his opportunity to hit it big. Whether it's in unrestricted, if he goes to unrestricted free agency this summer, he's not getting a one or two year deal. You know. Yeah. Now I I see where you're coming from. Like I, the only reason I bring that one up is I never thought Austin Matthews would do a, a four year term either. It's just it seems like you know maybe it but might think, be one of those. Think about think about the two terms combined though. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. And and, and it's also point. a he's playing in a different ballpark. No knock on Lindholm, but Austin Matthews is a forty to sixty goal scorer in this league every year. Yeah, he definitely drives the bus on it for sure. I, I totally agree with that for sure. So, okay, and then uh, one other comment before I let you go because I am a very much an avid uh, listener of, of your program. Yeah, I just have this is going to sound silly because I don't want to make it sound like cancel culture. But uh, as far as your verbiage goes, when you say the word "fine," I'm assuming you mean "okay" is like the same thing as "fine," right? What do you mean? 
like when you say, "Hey, someone's playing fine," you, you it's the same thing as "okay for you," right? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's a, the the connotation I use it as not great, not bad. Okay, the only reason I say this, and maybe this is the married man in me, because in our house, fine usually means in the background troublesome. <laughs> so it's a little bit not as fine as you think it is. But no, uh, I, no, I no, yeah. no, no, don't don't project on me, Derek. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I just no. yeah, I'm I'm using it as a as a synonym for okay or you know, not just kind of middle I, of the road. I I figured as much that's how I used it before uh I got married myself too. So, I just wanted to make sure I'm sure there's probably a lot of other uh uh guys that are with their wives or their girlfriends or have probably thought the same thing throughout the years. So, uh, well, I will tell you, my friend, you're more than fine for sure in my books. My wife, you're at least a solid 7 out of 10. I joined the call. Thank you very much for taking my call. Have a great rest of your night. Good stuff, Derek. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you, buddy. Uh, call back anytime. Uh, you were just fine. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames win 4-2 over Nashville as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show. Let's say hello to George this evening. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How you doing? Good. Good. I enjoyed that last call. That was some good stuff. Where I come from, you never tell a woman fine. Oof. That puts you in the doghouse real quick. Well, that's not what he was. That's not, <laughs> what, he was, that's not what he was saying. He was saying that like sometimes we'll say, "Oh yeah, he was just fine." Like, yeah, he was fine. Like he, he yeah, wasn't yeah, incredible, but, but he he did the job. That's kind of that that's that's what he was getting at. Yeah. 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 Some of the ones uh, they they don't like that word. They like to be you know. Elevated. Anyway, um, <laughs> onto the game here. Uh, team chemistry has actually been one of the biggest issues this team has had so far this year. So it like it appears they've actually found something in Condrey Zuri and, and Sarah Kovic, which is really good because I know it's been a huge issue. And I, look, I'll give credit where credit's due. I didn't think Condrey was good at all at the beginning of the year, and he's definitely been a lot better. But I, I don't know, man. And you may disagree. A lot of people would disagree. I think. Zary and Serenkovich, especially Zary, has more to do with it than people think. I'm not saying it doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm just saying that because Kadri's looked better on the power play too. I'm not. I'm not saying that it doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm just saying that Kadri's still the biggest reason why he's been the best player on the ice the last three games. Yeah, f- fair enough. But, but uh, the the point is, is they're all playing well and they're all contributing right now. And they, well, they, and the like, line the line has been stupid good. Like it's been, it's Huska has has used that line um, as a really good. Uh, he's basically put them in a situation where they can go and and eat offensively, and that's important. He's he's given them some offensive high ground, which is a, a really nice thing to do, especially for a player like Zary, who has now just three, uh, sorry, three games, nine NHL periods under his belt, and so put him in a has, has put him in a a really good situation to succeed. Just look at these numbers when they've been together uh, on the ice. So they've now played three games together uh, at five on five. They're just over thirty three minutes of ice time together. They're a seventy point one percent or yeah seventy point eight percent possession line. 
uh, when they're on the ice, shot attempts are 46-19, Calgary at 5-on-5. Shots are 29-9. Scoring chances are 22-13. High danger scoring chances are 13-4. And they've been given more than an 85% offensive zone start. So they're starting... Uh, out of out of ten, they're starting eight and a half of their draws in the offensive zone as opposed to the defensive zone. So Ryan Husk has put them together, given them an opportunity to feast offensively, and to their credit, they have worked, they have played well, and they've gotten the job done. They've been a great line together, and there is zero reason to split them up at this point. Yeah, and that's very impressive. Those are very impressive stats. And what's more impressive is three guys that have never played with with each other before before this. I mean, one, like Zari, like literally three games into his NHL career, Sharon Kovic coming over from New Jersey, you know? So that's what's even more impressive. It's funny how that works sometimes. Sometimes you'll have guys who have played on the same team for years, and you put the perfect example, Cardin Huberto. For whatever reason, it just doesn't work with those two. You think with the talent that they, they have and the skill that they have, that that would like he would be the perfect center for him, but it just for whatever reason it's oil and water with those two. But then you stick these three together, and it's like like right now. I mean, it's three games, but they're they're the top line on the team, like easily. It's not even a question right now. With absolutely, and and the backline line was really good tonight too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know the backline line. Whoever plays with backline, you know, it's usually thrives. So that's you know that's that's who backline is. I mean. Um, speaking of Zari, man, like I can't continue. I like I've through this season, like, you know, it's been hard for the most part, but he's been such a, him, him and possible, but especially him, such a bright spot. Like I know they have a cap situation right now. And I know like when they eventually do get healthy, they, they got to send people down, but there's no way this guy's going down. If this continues like no I mean, way. And, and not, like, not necessarily. They don't necessarily like that's not really a worry. I mean, maybe Pospisil. We'll see how that goes. But I mean, if Zeri keeps on playing like this, they'll have no problem keeping him up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you got to make other decisions, which is, you know, it's nice to have those decisions as a coaching staff. And uh, Zadorov, man, I thought that was I thought it was probably his best game of the year so far. I thought I thought he was great tonight. Uh, very impactful. Again, the guy that size, the way he can move, and uh, honestly. Like, if, if this does go south and, and they have to, you know, trade players, I mean, they may have to trade players regardless because you can't lose UFAs for nothing, let's be honest. But if there's one guy out of the four UFAs, man, I honestly, he'd probably be the one I'd be most willing to keep. Now, it's in saying that if the term and contract would be, you know, right, of course, you, you don't just give him whatever he wants. But he's the one guy I'd, I'd really like like to keep because, A, it seems like he really wants to be a Calgary Flame. Um you know, he, he, you can see he hates to lose. Um, he has no problem saying what's on his mind. He's very truthful and honest and forthcoming. And I really appreciate the guy, both as a, as a personality and as a player. So he's one guy that, if it could be possible, I, I wouldn't mind keeping in Calgary. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I get that, and I, and I don't think that there's – I think there's some, uh, there's some definite wisdom to that. So – yeah, let's see. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah, and finally, look, I commend Ryan Huska. I, I mean, a lot. That took a lot of you know what to do what he did. And you said it yourself. The easy thing would have just, you know, roll him on the ice or whatever. But you know, as a head coach, and especially a head coach in this position, where you don't want to be perceived as, I hate to use the word, but soft. Um, it was the right thing to do. And sometimes, like, 
um, Megan Mickelson said it perfectly. Like, I think that there's nothing that drives certain players nuts than just because a guy has a certain nameplate on the back of his jersey and he did what he did in the past and he's got this large contract doesn't give you, you know, carte blanche to just throw him out there because of, like, like I like how they did in Columbus too. You know, that one game they benched Goudreau. I happened in New Jersey. Um, I like that these, you, you know, these new age coaches are doing that because you could still be a quote-unquote player's coach, but, you know, when you have to deliver a certain message, you have to do it. And, you know, I know a lot of people feel sympathy for Huberto, and that's all fine and good, but for me, like, what bugged me the most, I already said it, it was like he, he did a lot of talking over the summer and a lot of podcasts and laying blame, which seemed like places that he probably shouldn't lay blame, and, like, he needs to step up, bottom line, for himself, for the team, uh, you know, for a lot of things. And, and, and I just, I hope he handles this a better way. Like, I hope we don't see his agent tweeting some BS tomorrow about him not having fun or whatever, because like, you can't blame a coach now it's on you. So, you know, I hope for a lot of reasons he can get it together. And if he can't, then this like Derek Wolf says, this team's going to have a problem making the playoffs. And it's and it's gonna happen. Well, the they're gonna have they're, and, the they're, they're gonna have more than a pre- they're gonna have a problem. Period. If he can't figure it out, they're gonna have a oh, big 100%. problem. Oh, hundred percent. we gotta move on. Yep. Appreciate it, George. All right, my man. You have a wonderful night, man. You too. Talk soon. Let's say hello to uh, Travis at four zero three two four zero forty four forty four. Following a four two win over Nashville. What's up, Trav? Hey, Patty. Um, great win tonight. Honestly, I only got to watch part of the game, but. Even when I was kind of listening to it on the radio, and when they went down two nothing, I still kind of had a feeling they were going to win. To be honest, <laughs> even though there's not pointing or not much a season that point point to that happening, but I just kind of had a feeling. Um, as George just said, I, I, it's funny he brought up the Zordar thing because I was thinking too while I was watching the game tonight that uh, if they could keep a defenseman, I think that's someone you'd maybe want to keep. He's just a bigger guy with a long stick that brings a bit of a bite, a bit of bite with him, you know. So, I think that's something you can always use on a on a decor. Um, and an ideal contract, I don't even know if it's in the ballpark, but first one that comes to mind is maybe like four and a half times four, five years. Same as kind of what Tanoff signed in his last year. Seems reasonable. I, I I don't know. Like I I have no idea if that would be something that the the. Zadorov camp would be into, but sounds it, it would give him a slight raise on what he's at right now. Sounds reasonable to me. Thing is, then you do your your cost benefit analysis, right? Like, is it better to do that, or is it better to um, try to you know maximize the potential return you could get at a trade deadline? Um, I, I think on the Zadorov front, you, you might want to wait a little bit on all fronts. Um, to determine whether or not you want to keep him or trade him. Like, if you were to keep him to the deadline or right around the deadline and, and make a decision then, I, I'd have no problem with that on the Zadorov front. You know, the, the, the big ones for me that you need to make your decision on and and you cannot go past the deadline on are, are Hannafin and, and Lindholm. But, and that's not a knock on Zadorov, but I think you've got a chance at re- a good chance at re-signing Zadorov if you don't trade him by the deadline and he's still, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. They, they signed him as a UFA two years ago after his first year. So why couldn't they this time around? So I, if you go, if you, if you don't, if you want to re-sign Zadorov, but you don't want to do it in season, um, I think that you can, 
you can wait until you until next summer even as a UFA. But I also think if he's not signed by the deadline, you should be listening to offers as well because that's the type of guy people really pay through the nose for uh, at the trade deadline. But I, to, to your original point, I don't think it would be awful if they if they kept him in the fold because he, he wants to be here by all accounts, and he's been a good player for him. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it'd be nice for him to stay, but I still think the more I've thought about the season is this: the Flames have a real opportunity here to really reshape this franchise. Um, I kind of heard you guys maybe talking about it on a show or maybe it's in the morning, but if you're moving Lindholm, Hannafin, you know, all the names, if you're moving those guys in the next few months, just the asset allocation you can get in return. Whether it's yeah, young, we, we, young we, we talked about that. We talked about that this afternoon, Trav. Why? Why? Why you yeah, not? Yeah, giving, exactly. Why you not giving Sorry. my show the credit no, it deserves, no, no, Trav? I, I just Come forgot on. when it was because sometimes I listen to, while I'm at work. But yeah, like I'm just, just, giving, not, I, just I, giving you a hard time. I don't. The amount of assets you can get um, with these players you have right now is, I, I you know, I we kind of missed the boat when Kachuk wanted out, and we we went in a direction, and that's fine. It, I think we've got a really good defenseman in there, and, and hopefully Huberto someday bounces back. But, but you know, we kind of missed that opportunity there, and now I think we have another opportunity to do the same um, and even get more. And I think we want to talk about reshaping the franchise and getting younger, faster, better, you know, a little more skill. Here's another opportunity, and I hope they don't fumble it this time, to be honest, because I don't think we're ever going to completely rebuild. We still have a lot of good pieces, but... An injection of youth and and just um, prospects, I think, would be super beneficial. We could see what it's already done this year with with some of the call-ups we've had. We have Wolf in the minors. Zeri's been unbelievable. I think, you know, there's some other pieces there that we're super excited about. Pelche's obviously been out to start the year, but I think we have a lot of hope for him. And let's not forget uh, Coronado. So I think... If you keep adding to that, you never know what that could assemble in the near future, right? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't think you 100% make your call on that right now, but I, it, it, I think that you're kind of in a situation right now where you're, you're really evaluating here to see exactly what you've got, uh, and then you start to determine whether or not this is a team that – you you want to you actually want to keep together is is this a group that should be kept together that is still very much being decided i think but pack honestly if if we're just being real with ourselves is this a team you want to keep together is that just like that's just the hope inside of us all the time i i, I mean love if, the if, team. It's, I, if it's love if the it's if it's me right now well, if if it's me right now i'm i'm leaning towards uh, w- with what i've seen over the last 94 games i'm i'm leaning towards yeah making making the pivot i absolutely am but yeah uh, we'll see i i think i think as uh flames fans and you know i think obviously you always want to see them win but i think we've got to be realistic and i'm, I'm being more realistic because i always think they're the best team in the world and they're going to win it all but but i think just realistically i think a, a pivot is what has to happen for this franchise um, you know, they've won two straight and I hope they win 10 straight, but, but that's kind of the game we always play win some, lose some on the cusp, like should break out. It doesn't, it's never really happened. Right. So, um, 
I would just like to see a different idea, a different direction. I think Connor is the right man at the helm to do it, and I, I think it's a big opportunity. Um, All right. You could just see with the youth this year, they brought some excitement to the team, brought some juice, you know, and it's nice to see. Um, All right, Trev. Um, one last one, and then Hubert. Okay, quick, man. quick, we got, yeah, we got, we yeah, got really run. quick. Hubert obviously is off to a rough start, but I think just as fans, we should try not to be too hard on him because he's going to be here for a long time. So all we can do is hope and pray get gets back to you know less more than a shadow of himself, and and that's all we could hope for. I don't think we should be too hard on the guy because he ain't going nowhere. He's not going to the minors. No one's trading for him. So our only hope is him to get better. All right, Trev. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. And the text line open at 969-60 following a Flames 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators. Take one more call before we uh, head back inside the Flames locker room. Let's say hello to Anand on this Tuesday night. What's up, Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, amazing game tonight, as everybody has been saying. Uh, good goal by Kadri on that empty netter, and great performance overall. I have a couple of questions for you. I'll uh, try to keep it short. So first one would be uh, regarding Huberdo. Uh, I know we have been saying uh, he was in uh, that great tonight as well and overall. Uh, do you think it was the right decision overall to bench Huberdo? And do you think what uh, steps could we see moving forward, Nick? Well, um, I I think it was the right call to sit him down tonight. I do. He was really, really fighting it um, and was was visibly having a rough game. So I, I am on board with the decision to bench him tonight. I think it also is a, a message to a player that they need more from him. And that's okay. That's a message that you need to send sometimes. Next steps, I think, back to normal. Right back into being where, whether it's with Lindholm, I have no idea what the lines will look like at practice on Wednesday. But um, I I think next step is he goes right back into the lineup and and plays Friday in Toronto. Like I don't think there's any worry about that. Uh, And I think that that should be the next step. Gotcha. And one last question. Uh, so these uh, call-ups that we have been talking about from the Wranglers, so Kanazari, Martin Postosil, uh, sorry if I butchered his name, uh, but uh, do you think uh, their call-ups have been a big impact to the team? I absolutely do. Yep, I think they've been great. Yeah, definitely. I agree, too. All right, Pat, uh, thanks so much for answering my questions. Uh, tomorrow is that first hockey tournament that I do be announcing, so I'll talk to you on Friday about it. And have a good night and talk to you soon. Okay, good luck, buddy. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Break a leg. Thanks, Anand. Uh, phone lines, 403-240-4444. Text line, 960-960. Flames win 4-2 over the Nashville Predators. And it is time to select tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. I'm going to go with Blake Coleman tonight. Um, I, I thought Coleman had his, actually had a, a number of really strong games in a row, but I thought tonight... First of all, scores the game-winning goal, so there's a little bit of that going on. But Coleman was just, a, I, I thought, a really engaged player tonight. Eight shot attempts, three shots on net, five scoring chances. 
he was all around it tonight and scores the game winner as well. So thought a really strong game from the Coleman-Backland-Pospisil line. I thought Coleman was really strong individually. And we're going to go with Blake as tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Speaking of Blake Coleman, here's the Flames forward inside the locker room following tonight's 4-2 win over Nashville. When uh, the group is down 2-0 but sort of feeling like they're playing their game, what was either said, done, adjusted? What was that moment like, really? So they knew you were still playing the way you wanted much that need to be said. I think it was pretty obvious that we were um, a better team for most of the game and um, you know we've had a lot of things not go our way this year and uh, nobody nobody got down everyone just kept grinding away and uh, you know I thought we definitely deserved to win that game. It took us a while to, to get the lead but once we did uh, I thought it was a great third period. Is that one of the more complete games this group's played this year? It looked like it might have been. It's good. Yeah, everyone was skating. Um, hard to play against. We didn't give them much in the third. Um, that's the way we need to play if we're going to continue to win games. And um, it wasn't one guy. It was it was a collective effort, and that's what our team's got to be. What's it with your with your goal? Looks like that was a set breakout or, or something that had been pre-planned. Just can you walk us through that. Nothing set. Just uh, we've preached speed through the middle and and being strong on walls. And um, you know that's pretty much all it was. It was a great play by by Cods in the neutral zone and. Um, you know, Zar kept his speed going, going back door to give me an option, and um, you know I thought we had a handful of those throughout the game that we didn't quite uh, get rewarded on, and, and that one we did. So win like this do for a group that's getting ready to head back out east for a few. Well, it's important. You know, it's two in a row. It's uh, you can see the confidence growing in guys and in the group and the way we're playing. And um, you know, I've said it while we were down. I've said it now. Confidence is a is a big thing in this league, and it makes a big difference. And um, you know, when you start to get that collective confidence, that's when teams get dangerous. I, I asked Dylan just about Hubert not playing, and what you say as a teammate, and his sort of message was that guy's positive, he's going to be here working tomorrow. There's no doubt about that. Uh, just what do you say to him that when you know, he's a big name, didn't play in the third? I mean, I don't know if the camera caught him, but um, we score the go-ahead goal. We, we get those blocks down the stretch. He's celebrating. He's excited for the team, uh, team guy through and through. So, um, you know. It's our job to lift each other up in times when it's not going well, and we're going to do that for him, and, and we know that he's going to be lifting us up uh, as the year goes on here. There you go. That is uh, Blake Coleman post game following tonight's 4-2 uh, Flames win over the Predators. Again, you heard him talking about Jonathan Huberdeau there at the end as well with uh, Jonathan benched in the third period of this win this evening. Uh, before we get back to the text line and the phone lines and take our final look inside the Flames locker room, it's time for tonight's Save of the Game brought to you by Shane Holmes and uh, tonight's Save of the Game delivered by Jacob Markstrom and it comes in period number three. Here comes Yosio to center. Yossi slides the right wing side to Nyquist who stops, protects the puck and now shoots the puck off the goal post. And now here's Yossi with a shot and Markstrom somehow gets a piece of it and keeps it out. That ends up being one of the 17 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Let's check in with Noah Hannafin, who tied the game at 445 of the third period tonight. Goals in back-to-back -back games for Noah Hannafin as well. His thoughts post-game inside the Flames locker room. 
Well, this group was down to nothing, but probably feeling pretty good about the way it was planned. What was either said or adjusted, or or was it just stay with it? Yeah, I think it was just stay with it. You know, I think uh, you know a couple tough bounces there. You know, where, where they score those goals, but you know, I think we did a good job at uh, you know just sticking with it and, and playing the right way and. I think when we just simplify our game like we did tonight and just wear teams down and you know put pucks behind them, things start to open up for us and, and we were confident you know after the first period that we we're gonna crawl back. One of the more complete team games of the season, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely for sure. I think things are definitely heading in the right direction and just with, with uh, the way we need to play and our identity and, and uh, I think that's something we can definitely build off of. What made a group that you know has sort of found ways to lose at times this year so confident you could crawl back after? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just sticking with it, and I think just uh, the way we were playing, I don't think we were giving up a ton of chances like we had in the past, you know, and some of those games we were, we were losing, we were giving up a lot of chances and kind of relying on our goalies to make big saves for us, and um, I think the way we played tonight, you know, that's a, that's a full, complete game, and, and for our team, that's the way we need to play, and, and I thought we stuck with it, and, you know, fortunately in the third period, uh, we started to take over a lot. No, um, I'm Jonathan, and playing the third period, how you how you talk to a teammate or, or a guy like that that maybe didn't see the ice time in that final frame. I'm sorry, I, uh, Jonathan didn't play in the third period. So as a teammate, how do you console him or how do you how do you talk to him after a period like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know he's he's a great teammate. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just uh, at that point, you know, I think everybody, including him, everybody's just focused on getting the win and, and doing what we can just to go out and. and uh, you know, create some momentum and some offense and you know it's an 82 game schedule and you know sometimes there, there are lines that are rolling and playing really good and, and sometimes you know it's uh, it's just the way it goes so everybody kind of goes through that at some point but yeah I think uh, more important thing is is we uh, we got to get there and win the game. Are you the official comeback starter now after two in a row? How's that work? <laughs> uh, no no it's, uh, it's a great play on, on that goal. It's a great play by by uh, you know, Shara there just to kick it out and, and it was a good change by by McKenzie too just to you know be in the offensive zone and get a fresh guy on the ice so um, fortunately I was just kind of open there and, and uh, nice to see one going. When did you start yelling for the puck? Uh, <laughs> the I don't know line? probably the red line. <laughs> yeah. Any yeah. thoughts on Nelson uh, He's plays on a four game point streak. Now. Yeah he's playing he's playing great for us you know he's he's one of the leaders in here and and uh, you know he's a super competitive guy and, and uh, you know, he's really starting to create some offense for the team, and, and uh, you know that's something he's he's so capable of doing. And, and it's good to see him start getting some bounces and, and rewards. No, um, a lot of you've referenced that Dallas game that even though you didn't win, it was it was a really good game for you. Do you feel like you're you're building something here with with three pretty good games under your belt in a row here? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think um, you know, I think you know, there were a couple games there like Dallas where you know we we had some a solid performance, but we may not have been getting the bounces and. And now they're starting to go our way, and, and you know, just just the identity of our team, the way we got to play. You know, it's it's uh, tonight was a perfect example of it, and I think it, it started somewhat in Dallas until last game, and it's definitely something uh, to feel good about and to continue to build off of on a, on a big road trip here. There you go. That is Noah Hannafin post game. He tied the game, and then 99 seconds later, Blake Coleman won the game with his uh, first of the night as the Flames beat the Predators 4-2 here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's Steinberg along with you from the Hot Stove Lounge as we continue along on your Flames Talk post game, available wherever you get your podcasts. So the Flames have won back-to-back games, consecutive wins for the first time this season, and now they get set for a three-game road trip. Let's look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power 
power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And next up is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Friday night on the road in Toronto. It's a 5 o'clock face-off on Sportsnet West and, of course, right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers about recent games between the Flames and Maple Leafs, but please remember that there was an entire season where the Flames only played Canadian teams. Remember that? Uh, we, we all remember that. We all like to try to forget, but we all remember the uh, 2021 56-game season. And uh, in that 56-game season, nine of their games were played against Toronto. They're used to playing them over the last 20 years. They'd play them once or twice a year, and then one year they played them nine times in a year um so that skews these numbers but not a lot of not a ton of success flames are five six and three in their last uh 13 games 14 games rather against the maple leafs so they've lost nine of the last 14 times they've played against toronto uh that dates back to the start of that bubble 2021 season where they played nine times so uh see what they can do against the maple leafs this time around and this year uh so that is friday they take on the Maple Leafs. Then Saturday, they're in Ottawa, and they finish off the road trip Tuesday of next week when they visit the Montreal Canadiens. And that is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Okay. Back to the text line we go at 969.60. This says, I'm just tuning in now, so I'm sure you've talked about it, but I thought Zari was the uh, most noticeable forward, and Zadorov was the best defenseman on the ice. He has to be the best number five in the league. That comes from Chad, although I think Zadorov might um, might take issue with that. I think... I think Nikita believes he's he's higher than a five, and and I think on this team he is a five. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, and and I think that it's a pretty. There's a top five, and then there's a six on this team. Um, I think that's kind of the way things are structured right now. But Zadorov is is definitely an everyday defenseman on this team, no doubt about it. And I think right now he still probably slots best as a five. So. Yeah, I think that's a good point by Chad. Might be one of the best fives in the league. Um, I thought that that entire line of Zeri, Kadri, and Sharon Govich outstanding in this game tonight once again. From Will in BC, uh, I'm really pleased to see Zeri fitting in like he has, and I agree that line was exciting to watch tonight. Zeri played junior about 30 minutes from my house, so I'm pulling from him. Another player that's impressed me lately is Blake Coleman. What have you thought of him in recent games? I thought Markstrom was solid. No softies tonight. No parade planned yet, but nice to get a couple of wins. As uh, uh, Will would have written this before, we named Blake Coleman the player with heart earlier in our postgame show. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Will. I think that Blake has, has played really well of late. thought he played really well in this game. I think Coleman is, is really starting to find it this season as well. Uh, this says, Pat, I haven't heard much talk about Hannafin yet, and I think he's looked beastly the last several games. I'm still on board signing him to a long-term deal given his age, but if that's not possible, I really hope they get a haul for him in a trade. To me, he's elevated his play to a solid number two on most teams right now. Skating's elite, and he's starting to own the puck in the offensive zone more than I've seen in past years. Um... And I do think that, like, I, I, right now things are on pause. Right now nothing's getting done. My gut still says that 
we're probably looking at a Hannafin trade as opposed to a re-signing, especially with some of the, the recent things that have gone down, but that's not a for sure. But I do think that if they don't end up re-signing him, that they will get a really solid return for him in a trade. I think first-round pick plus. like I, I think you'll be able to get two really solid assets at least for Noah Hannafin in a trade. I do. And they haven't gotten that yet. And they were talking uh, with with different teams during the summer, and nothing materialized. But it, um, I, I think, if we are talking about a December trade, a January trade for a guy like Hannafin, and Craig Conroy plays it the right way and continues to slow play and patient play it, I, I, I do think that you'll get a really nice return from for for Noah Hannafin if if that's the way that this ends up going. Um, this says, uh, as Kadri has been rejuvenated with the insertion of some youth, what would it be like if Jacob Pelche wasn't injured? Huberto and Pelche seem to be developing something. It's a good question. And, and I, I do think that Pelche's injury was a, a significant one because he was penciled into this team's top 12 and he does bring some intangibles to the conversation that not a lot of, um, players do so yeah I think that they they are they, they've missed him and maybe there could have been a rub off with Jonathan Huberdo knowing how tight he and Jacob Pelche is I, I I don't know for sure but I, I can't sit here and tell you that that's out of the question um, this says Pat I believe the Flames would be crazy to let Zadorov leave he's obviously great trade bait but more importantly a part of a strong foundation for a new Flames team do you think the Flames should trade him I think that he is the one that I am kind of most on board with signing to a long-term, longer-term, like four-year extension. Of of the four UFAs, Zadorov's the one that I'd be like, yeah, you know what, that would make some sense. I don't think that it would be crazy to trade him if you got an absolute haul for him at the trade deadline, but I also think that he's the one that, it wouldn't take much convincing for me to say, yeah, you know what, re-signing him, that's great. If you could get him for, I think it was Travis who brought up four times four and a half. Like, if you were to sign him to that at some point before next season, have no problem with that. The only thing that, the only if, if this is a team that is going to be a bubble playoff team at best, and you have somebody knocking down your door in February or early March, offering you a first-round pick for a defenseman like Nikita Zadorov or a really solid prospect for him. And I'm not saying they would or wouldn't. I'm just saying if that happens, and we know how sought-after blue liners are at the trade deadline, I also think the Flames would be pretty silly not to seriously consider it. That's that's all I would say in rebuttal. Um, this says... Uh, Flames should go for Duclair. Rebuild or not, they've got Huberdeau for the better part of a decade, and they should get someone that we know he has chemistry with. This from Nick and Roxborough. Incredible win tonight because coming back from 2-0 after that awful start, um, I don't know what this is trying to say. Hold on. After the awful start they've had to the season, sorry, there's words in there that weren't correct, and so I was trying to decipher what they mean. I'm usually pretty good at it, but this one, the auto text or whatever, the, the voice to text didn't work. So trying again. 
incredible win tonight because coming back from 2 nothing after the awful start they've gotten off to, you have to appreciate the spirit in the dressing room. Don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like something special is brewing in terms of a comeback. Lots of positives, but I want to shout out Blake Coleman for a good game and also taking an excellent chance one-on-one to claim the win. Well done to him, as I think he's one of the key pillars of this team right now, and he doesn't get enough praise. That comes from Nick in Roxborough. Um, this from Ryan in Okotoks. I don't understand why everyone keeps talking about how amazing Huberto can be. It hasn't been eight to nine bad games this year. It's been over 90 games now that he has ranged from mediocre to awful. I also don't understand how he leads the forwards in time on ice through two periods. It's time to sit him. If they don't, the organization is kidding themselves. Uh, This says, I feel for Huberto. You can tell it's really getting to him the way it's gone for him here. There's a huge difference between playing in Florida, where there's next to no pressure or media, and playing in a Canadian market. I think this benching will either be a positive turning point, or it could have him go into an even deeper hole. There's probably something to that, and... I'm interesting I'm interested rather to see how Jonathan responds here. Uh, this says great comeback. Like seeing Pospisil and Zeri in the lineup. Huberto needs to figure his game out. I don't think he will, to be honest, and was glad to see him on the bench. Every time he touches the puck, I go into full cringe mode. All hail Big Z and Clutch Coleman. At least when you see an honest effort and decent hockey plays, you can get behind this team win or lose. I had next to no expectations on this season, and I expected the worst. But since they've brought in the young guys, it's changed the chemistry, and while I don't expect them to make the playoffs I can get behind good hard work and honest efforts with limited expectations being met I'm content for now at least I'm not an Oilers fan at the moment that comes from Dwight um this says um Pat, good big win for the guys tonight. Hopefully just another step towards stringing some wins together and getting back into it. Couple thoughts for tonight. Obviously great game for Kadri. In my opinion, that's the best effort we've seen from him since before the All-Star break last season. Uh, Zeri continues to impress. Looks like he really belongs. Zadorov doing Zadorov things with some flash and great effort on the back check. Main thought for tonight, Huberto looks like a broken man. Say whatever you want about his lack of productivity or effort, but on a strict human level it's very hard to see him go through it like this curious to hear what the rest of the sea of red thinks this is from Sam. Pat, really happy to see the Flames battle back from a two-goal deficit. Think it's safe to say the Flames have crushed their demons thus far this season after stumbling out of the gates countless times last year. I think they now have two solid pairs to roll forward with, Backlund and Coleman, and now Kadri and Zeri. Also, I hope Huberto really takes the benching message and can start to show at least an ounce or more of bite and offensive flair that comes from Sam. A lot of texts. Apologies if I don't get to yours. Um, This from Tim and Hillhurst. Good on Huska. Huberto's been bad, and tonight he was brutal. The game turned positive for the Flames in the third as soon as he was benched. No one can tell me the team's better with him in the lineup right now. It's the exact opposite. It's time for him to watch a couple games from the press box on this road trip. I don't agree. Um, I think that um, I, I, I think we're talking about instead 
a guy that you've sent a message to. Now I think it's in, important to see how he responds over the next number of games here. I don't think going the healthy scratch route after you just benched and potentially demoralized the guy, and I'm not saying it was the right, the wrong call, because I fully agree with what Ryan Huska did, but you just sent the message to a guy. Let the message sink in. Don't pile on. He's still your highest paid player. And I think you still need to be delicate with it. And I think that this was the right call because he was awful. And I think that this was the time to do it. Now it's been done. Let's see how it sinks in. Let's see how it's responded to. That's how I uh, would put it. And this from JC and Clairzolm. Great come from behind win for the Flames. Conroy should try to trade for Anthony Duclair so he can help Jonathan Huberdeau. And I, I know that's been one of those topics that's been out there for quite some time. Don't know if, as of right now, a team that is 4-7-1, that is very much at a crossroads about their future, is going to be going and spending assets to bring in a guy like Duclair from San Jose. But... We'll see where they are in a few months, and maybe that becomes more of a conversation. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. Let's get back to the phone lines. Flames win 4-2 over Nashville. Phone lines at 403-240-4444. It's a Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's say hello to Logan. What's up, Logan? Hey, Pat. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How are you? Not too bad. Um... The one thing I was thinking, I was like, because last year we started off on this hot streak, 5-1-1 or whatever we were, and then we lose seven in a row. Like, I I almost feel like, what's the difference from last year compared to this year? We have a bad start, and maybe we go on a bit of a run, and it almost could be the opposite of last year. and We're sort of this middling team, and I, I think it's tough for management to figure out where we're at. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's why I think well, – I, I know why that's the, why on their side why they've paused contract talks with a lot of their UFAs because they don't know where they're I, – I think management is very much looking at, at this and saying, okay, what are we? Um, so, yeah, I uh, th- th- we don't know what they are right now because yeah. – it's and, and 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 it's not just because of this season. It's because of last year as well. It's now ninety four games with this new core, and we don't we still don't know what their identity is. And as such, I think that that's why there's a pretty decent chance that management is leaning towards. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we do have to make some pretty pragmatic decisions. Now, all of a sudden, the Flames start to play a consistent brand of high-end hockey over the next 10-15 games maybe that conversation changes two wins is a good start well exactly and you know i i think uh he, they they really are in a tough situation yes huberto i i really do feel bad for him like i think huska you know he lives up to his word saying like you know you have to perform if you're gonna play and uh I think tonight, like you, you could see it, like he, they they do bench him, and then they do they they do have the come from behind victory, and I think it is tough for Rubio. I think it sends a message, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. And uh, well, that's the most important thing, right? Is like does he he is a pro, 
but he's also a proud guy. So does he respond to this in a, man, I was bad tonight and I need to be, I need to be better, or does he respond to it in a more negative way? And I'm not, I'm not suggesting one way or the other. It's just different people take things different ways, and, and I'm really curious to see how he takes this. I think, actually, when we hear from him next, We'll hear a guy who says, no, I haven't been very good lately. I need to be better, and I understand why this happened, and I'm going to do my best to take to, to make the most of it. That's my gut just being around Jonathan yeah. over the last few years. I, I, I think, actually, I'm quite optimistic that he'll handle this the right way and, and respond the right way. But until you see it, you never know, and, and or you don't know, rather, until you see it. Well, I, I, I do think, like, Huberto's a very uh... – accountable guy he does take accountability and I I I I think like he had the he had a good start to the season I I really do think he did he had a his first few games of the season I was like oh wow like this is this is looking really good for us but I I think he's going to take accountability and I I just know from like the way Huberto talks the way he holds himself I, I I really am hoping he does have a bounce back I I I really do but uh I was, I was talking to you the other night, Pat, and I was, I was talking about Kadri, and I was like, wow. he was. I think he was the best player on the ice tonight. He had a really great game. Very, that Kadri, Zeri, Sharangovich line was unbelievable tonight. I, I, I think that's something that has to stay together. I, I, I thought it was – I thought Zeri had another unbelievable game. I, I, I find he is so hard on the forecheck. He – he wins battles, and uh, I also thought Kadri, like, he, he's on the defensive end. Like, I thought Kadri had a fantastic game on defense as well. Like, just in the the, the, the D zone, he he was uh, blocking shots. He was getting sticks in lanes. I thought he had a fantastic game. Yeah, and that's I, I would say that's a third straight really positive-looking game for, for, for Nazem Kadri, and Flames – desperately need that to be something that we talk about on a regular basis. They they need him to be one of their best players on a regular basis. He has been the last three games, and that's super encouraging. And we'll see if he can keep it going. If he can, which I think there's a chance he can. I've you know the one thing about Kadri is that, and this is just me, but I I've I've never I've never felt like he's lost it. I've never felt like, oh, this guy can't play anymore. I think there's been a lot of frustration. I think the stuff with Daryl last year was was not easy for him, uh, and there was some real frustration with how that situation uh, was not handled, but just the situation itself. And so I, I still think there's a lot there with Nazem, and I think that what we, uh, what we saw – in this game, what we've seen the last three games is pretty good proof. There's still a lot there with this player. So Flames need it to be there on a regular basis. And what we've seen from him of late is uh, pretty darn encouraging. So we'll see. we got to start to wrap up, Logan, yeah. but I appreciate the call, man. Yeah. Good stuff as always. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. Yo, have a good night, Pat. Have a, have a, really, uh, have a good one. Well, we'll talk soon, hey? Yeah, of course. Yeah, have a good one, Pat. Okay, man. Call back anytime. Let's say hello to Trevor following a 4-2 win over Nashville. What's up, Trevor? How's it going tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I came from the game tonight. Uh, but honestly, this year, 
this this year the team like what I see the difference in between both last year and this year like we're twelve games in. You know, it's these guys are there's a so there's so a lot of new pieces coming in, and all I keep hearing is people saying, "Oh, we got to trade this guy, we got to trade this guy, we got to trade this guy." You know, at the end of the day, we're twelve games into the season. Like you can't start talking about trading people. These guys are assets to a team. This is a business. They're they're not just going to turn around and start getting rid of all these guys and making trades. And you know what I seen tonight and the last few games. That's the brand of hockey that Calgary is starting to play now. You know, like I I'm a season ticket holder. I I've seen it change slowly. But for the better now, you know, like Daryl Sutter is a different brand of hockey. You know, Ryan Huska is now different. Craig Conroy has that old, uh, you know, the, the, the same kind of style that Daryl Sutter liked. But Conroy knows that the game is younger. It's faster. It's quicker. It's all about skating. It's all about, like, tonight when I seen Zary, Zary was incredible tonight. Sharon Govich was incredible tonight. Kadri was incredible tonight. And I'll be honest, you know, Jonathan Huberto is still our best player on the team, regardless of whatever, whatever everybody thinks, whatever anyone says. You know, Jonathan Huberto is our top guy. You know, and I know it's tough, but you got to think, he played 10 years in a totally different style of hockey. He had guys that are um, like wicked shooters like Barkov and Duclair and Bukestad, he had guys that were finishers. You know, it's a lot different, like your Dubays and your Mondepanis and your Lindholm. You know, Lindholm had Goudreau. Goudreau was one of the best passers in the in the game who could play with pretty much anybody. But, you know, Huberto has got like, you know, he's, he's incredible in how he plays. It's just a lot of people can't keep up with him because he's highly skilled in his well, past. Well, I do. I, I and, and, and the only thing. five years. The only thing that I would say there is that I, I do think there's more to what's going on with Jonathan than just, you know, players not being able to keep. Do I think there have been at times uh, that, that you know, he's put perfect passes on tape and player hasn't been ready for it because they're not used to playing with them? Sure I do. Do I think that's the main thing yeah. that's going on, though? No, I don't. He has not been a very... I, I get what you're saying, Trevor, when you say he's their best yeah. player because, A, he's paid like it, and, B, knowing what he's been in the past, yeah, I, I mean, he should be their best player or at the very least one of yeah. their most impactful players. The fact of the matter is, yeah. since getting here, he hasn't been. And so they they need to find a way to get more out of him, and and maybe benching him in this game is the way they do that. Maybe it's not, but at this point, they they need him to be much like they need Nazem Kadri to be. And Kadri has has been showing signs of this of late. They need Nazem Kadri yeah. and they need Jonathan Huberdeau on a nightly basis to be their offensive leaders. And and yeah. unfortunately, for whatever reason. Huberto has just not been able to do that, and it's it's hard to wrap your head around because 
we've seen him put out put up the numbers that he's put up in this league and it's not just the 115 point season it's his 94 point season or whatever it was it's the four straight years of him being a point per game player before getting here and then all of a sudden dropping so, to what it's been my question is uh, I, I know the 115 points how many points did the other guys have that were with him uh, I'm pretty I, sure they were all pretty close to 100. No, they like uh, his his line mates that year. Yeah, Barkov and Duclair and them, they're all up in the 80s, 80s to 70s. No, so that year, he didn't play a lot with Barkov that year. He played mostly that year with Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair. Um, so power, that play, year, power play wise. He did play with Barkov a lot on the power play that year. So that year, Huberto had 115, Barkov had 88, Reinhardt had 82. And how many goals did Barkov finish with, with Jonathan Huberto giving him the puck? That I don't know off the top of my head. That, that's that's, too, so that that's year, too difficult. I'm to... pretty sure I'm pretty sure Barkov had close to 35 or 33 had, power had play goals, goals that were that given year. to him by Jonathan Huberto. I actually read that set up uh, the other day. I don't have that off the top of my head, Trev. Uh, sorry, Trev. But yeah, look, and we got to wrap up here. But yeah, they 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 Just need more. more they all I'll say is that they need more from Jonathan Huberdeau. There's no doubt about it. It's but coming. It's coming. You, they they need it to be coming. I'm really interested to see how he responds to this. Go ahead with your one quick thing. One what? Okay. And uh, I disagree with uh, Big Z being the fifth guy. I think Big Z's the third top, third top out of all our guys. You know, I I don't know why everybody keeps saying he's a number five. The only reason you know, they he's say showed... he's a five is based on his ice time. Like he does play less. Yeah, than the I other four I understand guys. that. I understand that. But he does make an impact on the ice. Sure. You know, he does. tonight I seen Uyghur. Uyghur give the puck away about seven or eight times. He was very sloppy tonight. You know, I love I love the guy. I love how he plays. But he's he's got to get better with the puck, you know. And and since Zadorov has turned his game around, he's given the puck way less than he was before. You know, and he's he's pushing forward. You know, he's probably the fastest defenseman we have considering his size, and nobody tries to stop him. He's he's unstoppable when he gets into the zone. Like that goal he set up tonight. You know that's that's exactly what he brings to the team, and you know, and he's my favorite defenseman, my favorite player. He reminds me of Robin Regeer, but with an offensive side to him too. So, all right, I like it, Trev. You have yourself a great night, hey? Yeah, yeah take it easy. Yeah, Go thanks for the call. Go. Thanks, man. Um, it's a big Zadorov fan. I like that. Uh, we'll take uh, three more calls before we wrap things up on this Tuesday night. Uh, Bryce, you're up next. What's up, Bryce? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And they played pretty good tonight in the last, last three. Yeah. And I think it was a right decision with Huberto. They had, they had to sit him one way or the other because obviously – just the way he's playing, and there's something wrong with him. But um, but I hope he comes around. Yeah, they they need him to come around. There's and mm-hmm. and 
he he really he really did fight it tonight. Like it was a really rough game for him. So you know, I I, I honestly don't think that this was a cumulative thing. Like I don't think this was a okay. We're sitting Huberdo down because we're really frustrated with him over the last number of of games. It was more. He's really struggling, and and we need. We're at a tight game. They believed that they had a, a Predators team that they were playing that was somewhat vulnerable, and for good reason they felt that. And so I, I think it was tonight. Jonathan just does not have it, and we we need our best players to win a hockey game here. And 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 by that I mean we need our best players playing tonight, like the guys who are going best tonight. We need to ride those guys, and and that's why they essentially went down to three lines in mm-hmm. in the third period. Yeah, and another question: their power play. Do you think? I don't know what marks the word, but I, I do you think some of it. The coaching part of what he's trying to put out there, because just their positioning, it's like they can't even they can't like set up properly. I don't I don't know. I could be wrong, but well, I mean, definitely. I think when when you're talking about they they brought in a new power play coach and and that's Mark Savard and um, you know it's it's shown signs this year of being pretty dangerous and then recently has has been a little bit more stagnant. So. I'm I'm curious to see what type of fixes Savard might have. I mean, he's kind of known as a power play guru. Well, power play is, has not been super dynamic of late, and so I'm I'm curious to see what type of fix there there might be for it. Yeah, and then yeah, one more question, um, Connor Zary. Actually, I watched him in Abbotsford that that when they were playing Canucks when he was yeah. in over here. He, his his um his, his ability his skill like you you could see it like he possesses like the the hand the hands he's got like you just like he takes it out just like easy his thinking is like he's and he's pretty fast like he's like he's he's awesome and, and then the other two that are got called up like um yeah, they're positioning too. They're pretty good down there, and yeah, Prospisil and um, Simone there. Yeah, yeah D-, D Simone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, then they were like they they possessed just something because I thought because when when I saw them that like they were right there, right on like they they see like the coverage and their and their enthusiasm. That's what I kind of said. That's what they needed up there. They needed some youth just to get these guys moving, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. good to see that they're doing going that route. Yeah. Well, and and they've definitely mm-hmm. been true to their word, Bryce. I mean, they they mm-hmm. said they were going to give younger players more of an opportunity. Well, so far mm-hmm. they've given younger players more of an opportunity, and and have done so mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Through the first uh, twelve games of the season, so that's that, that that's been a, it's been a very different philosophy. Yeah. In my eyes, I think it's a, a positive mm-hmm. it's philosophy. Take time. Yeah, but, and 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 they know that. Like they they yeah. know that young players do take time sometimes. But I, I think yeah. that yeah, I, I think that this is a this is a positive development for the organization this year. Mm-hmm. So see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's sort of a let. I'll let you go and and by the way, um, in February, our mission um, Special Olympics team is going to be in the nationals there for floor hockey, actually. 
Oh, you're, so you're going to be out here in Calgary for the uh, for the for the Canada yeah. Games? Yeah, the Special Olympics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, national. Yeah. Yeah. Special Olympics National Games here yeah. in Calgary. That's awesome. And it'd, be, it'd be sweet if, if uh, my wish is that because I've never been into the Saddle Dome from out here. I've seen them in Vancouver, but I've, I've always, cause I never had that chance. And I thought it would uh, be sweet because that was just my dream. Well, let's, uh, let's see what we can do on that front, Bryce. See, we'll see, what we can, uh, see if we can't make that happen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and you have a good night and take care. And I, like I said, you're, you're, you're a great, uh, you're a great broadcaster too. Right. Well, thank you, Bryce. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to talk to you and, uh, yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't figure something out there. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. man. Thanks, Pat. Have a All good right. night. You too. Bye. Good to hear from Bryce in Mission BC. Let's get to our last call. Brad is our last call following a 4-2 win over Nashville. What's up, Brad? Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Hey, good. Just a couple things for you. I just want to ask you, with all the bashing of Huberto, do you see him as the equivalent of, uh, like, Gary Lehman when he came to Calgary? Got lots of skill, but it just doesn't translate into this, this town or the system. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've heard that one a lot in in terms of you know, or, or I've seen that one a lot rather in terms of you know a potential comparison, and I get it. I mean, it, it's a little tough for me to 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 give a ton of like uh, credible in person perspective because I was young and not covering the team. I, I wasn't. Uh, I believe I I don't believe I would have been allowed in the workforce in uh, the early '90s when Lehman came in the Gilmore trade. So I I don't have my own reflections on it from a credible standpoint I, I do know that in this case the big difference is that there's also the biggest contract in franchise history that goes along with the acquisition which which just makes it a little bit more potentially untenable if it doesn't work out you know I think about I think about the Lehman comparison though and, and I understand it because both guys came, and in, in Huberto's case, has underperformed to this point. In Lehman's case, underperformed for everybody's liking the entire way through. And, and they both came over in deals for franchise players and and guys that were fan favorites, Matthew Kachuk and Doug Gilmore. And so I, I, I get the comparison. I think it's too early to make a definitive judgment as to whether or not it's going to go that way. But I, I certainly understand the question, Brad. I, I don't think it's a necessarily unfair question to ask. I would just say, you know, it's it's still a little bit too early to make that call. Okay, and my last one, Pat, just with with the, the newfound youth coming in, it, it's exciting to watch. Are you at all concerned about these guys getting established and potentially leaving if the team doesn't succeed? Like, am I worried about the, the team relocating? No, as in players like Zari and Jergovic oh, and, and players like that, like down the road getting getting into the bridge deal and being that two, three-year deal, and then, uh, no, Calgary isn't what I want and we're not successful, I want out. Um, well, I mean, yes, I'd worry about that if the team doesn't doesn't turn into, or, and, and if the team doesn't 
get better and doesn't start to build towards being more than just a middle-of-the-road team or, or you know, if, if they're not able to be a perennial playoff team, yeah, I worry about that because one of the things that gets players to your organization is being a winning hockey team and, and being a team that, you know, you can sell a player on being in the NHL playoffs. And so, yeah, I think that is a fair worry, but there's also time for the Flames to turn into a little bit more than just a middling bubble team like they've been the last season and a bit here. Perfect. That's all I have for you tonight, sir. All right, Brad, you be well. You take care. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And that will wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you very much for your phone calls. Thank you very much for your texts. Great stuff, as always, on the phone lines and the text line here on our Flames Talk postgame show. It's time for our final summary as we start to wrap things up on a Tuesday night and now officially Wednesday morning if you're listening live. Uh, The Nashville Predators lose 4-2 to the Flames, but they opened up a 2-0 first period lead. Predators opened the scoring at 425 of the first period on a Michael McCarron goal. McCarron's first of the year from Liam Foody and Mark DelGaizzo, and it was 1-0 Preds. Then Kiefer Sherwood scores to make it 2-0 about 10 minutes later. His third of the year from Luke Evangelista and Tommy Novak at 14:34 was two nothing Preds after 20 minutes of play. Flames get one back in the uh, later stages of period number two as Dylan Dubé rips home his second of the year to make it 2-1. Dubé from Nikita Zadorov and Nick D. Simone at 15:06 was 2-1 Nashville after 20 after 40 minutes of play. Then early in the third period, Flames tie it and draw back even. Noah Hannafin with an absolute laser beam of a wrist shot ties it 2-2. Hannafin's second of the year from Yegor Sharangovich and Chris Tanev at 4:40. Then 99 seconds later, Flames take their first lead. Blake Coleman rips home his third of the year. Coleman from Nazem Kadri and D. Simone at 16 at 6:24 rather makes it 3-2 Calgary. They would uh, do a nice job protecting that one goal lead the rest of the third period until Nazem Kadri scores into an empty net to get us to our final score. Kadri's second of the year from Sharon Govich and Connor Zeri at 18-21 into an empty net that gets us to our 4-2 final score. Final shots, 38-19 in favor of the Flames. So they double up the Preds on the scoreboard and on the shot clock. Flames go 0-3 on the power play tonight. Nashville 0-2 for 2 with the man advantage. Three stars tonight, number three, UC Saros, number two, Nazem Kadri, and number one, Yegor Sharon Govich with the win. Calgary improves to 4-7-1. They're back in action Friday on the road in Toronto while Nashville falls to 5-7-0, or 5-7-0 rather. They're back in action Thursday on the road in Winnipeg. Uh, That is our final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Jeff Mason, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer back at Sportsnet 960 World Control, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Next up for the Flames, Friday night in Toronto. It's a 5 o'clock face-off, which means we're on the air with a drive-home edition of your Flames warm-up pregame show at 4 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. 
Final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. Flames take a 4-2 win over the Nashville Predators. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.